All right. We're back with a uh, new Untamed podcast. I know it's been a while, but uh, hunting season's just around the corner, and uh, we're going to get things kicked back off. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I would just like to let you all know um, you can save 20% on HuntWise. HuntWise is the app we use to uh, identify public land, private land. Um, you can even get you can get phone numbers on there to contact the landowner. Uh, and you can save money with with the app. Um, so you sign up for the app, and there is a fee uh, for signing up. But if you use the code Untamed20, you'll save 20% off. And within the app, um, there's a gear section. So you get 50% off companies like Stealth Cam, um, Wild Game Innovations, uh, Novix. Um, there are there's just American Hunter, Ammo Pal, uh, Pal, excuse me, uh, Blocker Outdoors, Boss Buck. That's just a few of the companies, uh, to name a few. And these are like significant discounts, like 40% off, 50% off. Um, they have lower ones, like 20% off, but I think that's as low, low as it gets. So you can sign up for the app uh, with the code Untamed20, and uh, you can click the link in the description of any of our videos, and it'll take you right to our landing page on the HuntWise um, page and you'll be able to uh, sign up from there. So make sure if you do sign up, use the code UNTAMED20, and you'll save 20% off. And if we're just being honest with you, we get a little bit of a kickback from that. So if you like our podcast, you like our videos, uh, it just helps us out there. So, yeah. There we are, August 3rd. August 3rd, one day away from my birthday. One day away from your birthday? Yeah. You're going to be 25? 25. That gone. Big 2-5. Quarter of a century old. That's right. I am, you know, your time's about three. I'll be Josh's age. <laughs> there you go. I am getting old. I feel it. <laughs> I'd say you do feel it. So let's uh, let's get into that a little bit. How is uh, you did the podcast with Tethered um, and uh, Bo from East meets West, and you were telling them a little bit about your uh, knee. So how yeah, that that was the weekend it happened. That yep. is right. Yep. Uh, on our. Um, teaching train we did with tethered so uh i had to let my fractures i had a fractured tibia uh that we didn't know about at the time but had to hold off on surgery for about six or seven weeks to let my fractures heal up and then we had surgery uh 13 days ago today and i went back to the uh for to reconstruct my acl and clean up my meniscus and then they didn't do anything for the mcl which they don't for people my age. But uh, went in for surgery 13 days ago, and it been progressing good the last couple of weeks. Went back in for a checkup this morning, got my brace off, sutures out, and, like, it's crazy. Like, I've thought about it, you know, since being in the doctor's office, that some of my prior knee surgeries that were just – arthroscopic just going in and cleaning the meniscus up hurt worse and aggravated me more than this surgery and this is some some new procedure that they're using fertilized eggs to attach the acl and you know i got some dead dead guy's acl in my in my knee i didn't know that yeah it's a cadaver huh. so and fertilized eggs not just eggs yeah so and how I don't know any, what the difference the, is. How does the fertilization process? Right, I'm not 100 percent sure. What I, I mean, I could have got like. I mean, that, that uh, could get twisted a lot of ways. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I could have got some superhuman cadaver like Spider-Man getting bit in the factory. Yeah. The reason I'm feeling so good after 13 days, I don't know. I mean, it, it's remarkable to me how I'm getting around. Um, yeah, I mean. You can see it's it's a little bit puffy looking, maybe. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, heck, if you had pants on and I couldn't see where you you're covering up, where you just got your stitches off, you couldn't really tell. Well, I mean, and you you look back a year ago, Brody, my son, had ACL reconstruction, and at two weeks he was still dying. Yeah. I mean, he was talking about wanting to amputate his leg. <laughs> you know, he was in so much pain. So two different procedures, though. I mean, we both got new ACLs, but it's just it it's doing good. Uh, we have August 28th, so 25 days before um, our first early bear season comes in. I hope that I'm more mobile and stable. That's yeah. the big thing, just being stable. I don't think I'm going to be able to run through the woods. Right. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. Especially in these mountains. Yeah. The first season. 
I hope I hope by the end of September that I'm good to go back to normal. Yeah. Uh, I was saying November 1st, but in just, you know, barring any setbacks, I just don't see it taking that long right. of how I feel right now. So pretty excited about it. So end of September, I think I'll be fully recovered and, and, and chasing deer and everything. Good deal. Uh, and I, when it, when it first happened, uh, Josh, the first time I saw him, like it was, it was, we were hunting that day. Josh was with uh, Greg and I was with Jared and we met up with them because we got a phone call that Josh had blew out his knee or something along the lines of that from running from a pig. So we met up with him and I remember he opened the door and like was holding his, his knee, uh, what like, like cuff, like cuffing his leg kind of and turned to like show it to me and it was just like <laughs> dangling, just flopping. <laughs> And uh, he was like, y'all can go finish hunting if you want. And, you know, I'll just sit here. And I was like, no. Like, when he turned and, and, and showed me that, it was dangling. Like, yeah, it was loose. It was like it was just attached by skin. Yeah. Like, not a whole lot of attachment there. The way it was just moving. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Instantly. You could see it was all red and starting to swell. And I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, knew, I, I knew I was injured, but, like, when the MRI came back and it's tore ACL, tore MCL, both meniscus, tibias broke. It's like, like, hey, when you do it, you do it right. No doubt. You, you know what I mean? You did it right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paying for it now, but on the road to recovery. Right. Well. And and ready for hunting season to start, man. Uh, these last couple of days where it's been cooler, it kind of gets you in the mood. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's been in like the low, low 60s in the morning. Yeah, That's and and been nice. And I've not. Um, you went and bought a new bow. Yes. For this archery season. Yep. Uh, I have not gone out and purchased one yet, um, so I haven't shot yet uh, because of my injury and stuff. But this week I'm going down. I'll pick you one and, up. And uh, pick one up when we get back from the lake and start shooting again. Yeah. What did you end up? I went. Um, so I I've shot all kinds of different bows. I've shot Bowtech. Matthews, uh, Elite. I've shot a bunch of them that they had down there, and uh, I really liked the draw cycle actually of the PSE. And before, um, before I, I'd shot a PSE years ago, and I remember like they shoot really hard, but that was about it. Right. <laughs> that was like the only thing I liked about it. And to me, I didn't really care much about that, anyways. But it uh, it shot hard, but everything else was just rough. I mean, it was it was a tough shooting bow. But then, I guess with their new cam system or whatever, these bows now are drawing amazing. Uh, when you draw back, it's like a 70-pound bow uh, shooting at PSE is like is like 60 on any other bow. Like it's it it really is incredible. And then it's it's dead in the hand. The Matthews to me was a little bit more dead in the hand, um, which I, I I love that. I don't like much you know hand shock when right. you release the arrow, uh, but. The PSC is just what I went with, um, and I didn't buy it brand new. They had it used, so uh, I got a little bit of a cheaper price. That may have swayed my decision some too, but heck, you know they had they have you know Bowtech, they had uh, Matthews Elite, right? PSC, and they're all really good shooting bows. You definitely can't go wrong with any. Well, I haven't options. I haven't gone down there yet to shoot them. I, I'm going to shoot the PSC for sure. Yeah, and um, there's a few different ones. I've got the. Uh, I think it's uh, NXT 31, and they've got that one like all the way up to a 34, so 31 inches, okay. axle to axle, 32, 33, 34, depending on what you want. I wanted a little bit shorter one just because of hunting scenarios. It's a little bit easier to shoot a, uh, you know, in a tight situation. Um, just easier to pack a shorter bow. Yeah. Uh, but I prefer, like, if I was just going to straight up target shoot, I'd have got the 34 because it actually shoots harder and uh, just a little bit more forgiving. Does it have a tight valley in it once you get drawn? Is it... Or is, there, is it spongy? Not spongy at all. Yeah. So I actually shot a Hoyt RX3 recently, which is their carbon fiber bow. Uh-huh. And just to draw it was horrible. I mean, I'm not trying to knock any company or whatever. Yeah, just to let everybody know with, while we're talking about bows, we are not affiliated with any archery company at this time, so we, we can talk about anybody. and We're not pushing anybody. We're just giving you all our personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be honest. 
The, now they've got the R, uh, the RX five out now, and it might be better. I haven't shot it, but I shot an RX three, and it was unbelievable. It was horrible to draw, and when you got it back there, it was so spongy. Yeah, I mean, it, it just where it, it would mess with your anchor point and everything. I couldn't like I shot it like three times, and I definitely knew that was not the boat for me. Now it was pretty dead in the hand when you right. let it off, um, but they may have made improvements with the RX five. I don't know, but the PSC for me was a really good option. The Matthews is a really good option. The Elites, they were nice too. So you just go shoot them. I mean, that's the thing. Like, for me, you know, if, if we're not working directly with the company, I'm not I'm not loyal to any of them, you know. You're going to shoot, you're gonna shoot what's shoot comfortable. Whatever. Right, It's comfortable for Kirk. Yeah, and, heck, I got a good deal on it. Yeah. You know? It was somebody When, you, when you're telling, it. when you're saying dead in your hand, yeah, he, he, he's talking about no vibration and no, no kick. Yeah, kick. Uh, for all the listeners out there that, you know, if you hear our hear us say stuff, he's just talking about the vibration and the kick of the release, and you don't think there's a kick, and most people say, well, there's, your bow doesn't kick like a shotgun. Right, right, <laughs> right. But you're saying it's pretty well dead. I like you when, don't you, feel when you kick. release it, it's just smooth. Yeah. You know, I can't you don't stand feel a, a jump right. to it. right. You know? So that's something. It just makes the bow more enjoyable to shoot. I'm not. I don't think that has much to do with the performance of the bow. I'm guessing it may or may not. I don't know. I'm not an archery expert, but I just prefer a smooth shooting bow. Uh, and it is. It's a. It's a very smooth shooting bow. And that draw cycle is unbelievable. When you get it back, um, it's not spongy at all. You know. No. It's got it, good let off. It's got like I think up to 85 or I think it's 85 percent let off. Maybe 90. I, I know, know you've been shooting. Uh, are you going to cut on cut on contact con contact yes uh so i've been i've been i've been tweaking I've been, yeah i've been <laughs> trying to absorb as much information our buddies the hunting public are yeah. obviously big into the single bevel uh broadheads you know that they've been working with ranch ferry and uh i've been watching a bunch of ranch ferry videos and then i've also been watching guys the archery guys like it's kind of a weird spot in the archery world right now from what i'm seeing it's like the the hardcore archery guys um that are more your target shooters and stuff are still preferring the lighter arrow uh you know i guess 100 grain they're not worried about foc so uh they're i don't know they're more accuracy concentrated and the guys that are are the more uh, the hunting guys are more into like this heavy you know heavy arrows like 600 grain arrow with a 200 grain head, so they got high uh, front of center. Uh, so there's a lot of information out there, and it's honestly confusing. Like before, I mean, just even a, a few years ago, I didn't even know what tuning a bow was. I just gave it to the bow shop, and they gave you know they gave me my bow back, and I shot some broadheads. They flew right. I went out and hunted. You know, I was just shooting muzzies. I was shooting slick tricks. I was shooting rage. It didn't matter. You know, I was just to me the the I care more about the hunting side of things, and I neglected the archery side of things. So now, the past couple of years, especially, I've been paying more attention to it and learning more. And uh, there's just so much information out there. So basically, the setup that I think I'm going to go with this year is not an extremely heavy arrow, but a heavier arrow than I was shooting with high he FOC. So I'm shooting uh, 150 grain heads, which in the past I've been shooting um, 100 grain heads. So I I've went higher. Uh, in, in my uh, my broadheads, and right now I'm shooting um, the uh, the buzz cuts. Uh, who are they made by? Uh, I've lost my track of thought of who. I don't know who they're made Magnus by. Magnus Stinger. Uh, okay. Magnus Stingers, excuse okay. me. And they got a, a serrated blade, and they're they're around like forty bucks for a three pack, but they have a lifetime warranty. And I read about the warranty, and like it's legit. Like if you have issues, you send it to them, whatever, and they'll send it back. Um, I bought a sharpening jig so I can sharpen them. So I've been watching some of Ranch Ray's videos and, and uh, with the, the video THP did on sharpening broadheads. And uh, I picked up a sharpening jig and I'm going to get some uh, sandpaper so I can sharpen them. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, at the, I'm at the very beginning learning stages of it and trying to learn more about it uh, before I go spend like, you can spend big money on broadheads. Uh, you know, like over a hundred bucks for a three pack. So yeah, I'm, before I get that deep, I'm gonna stick with the, I guess the, the the cheaper Magnus. But Magnus broadheads have a great reputation for flying really good, and uh, penetration. So, 
We'll see. I'm just I'm just now getting in the rabbit hole. I'm I'm far from an expert. Well, I'm no expert either. I'm gonna stick with. I'm I'm probably on the opposite end of the trend of hunting arrows and bows. I'm gonna stick with my lighter stuff. Yeah. More speed. Right. Um. And, and, and if I'm not hunting, which I don't think I'll be hunting any big game animals that that you're not allowed to use mechanical broadheads on. Right. Uh, I'm going to probably stick with mechanical broadheads. Yeah. Oh, it stopped. Yeah. Okay. All right. We had a little uh, technical difficulty there, but we're back. So what you were saying, Josh, is you're going to stick. What did you shoot last year, Rages? Yeah, I shot uh, uh, Rages, uh, Hypodermics, and then uh, shot uh, Pierce Arrows. Yeah. Um Lighter arrow, stiff spine, um, but I'm, a, and I don't know the science behind all of it. I get confused. Like <laughs> I watch those videos and like some of the stuff that, uh, you know, Ranch Fair and some of these guys are explaining. Like it's, it's scientific. Like it's way past right. what matters to me. Right. You know, I know that that it's science, but like. It's like baseball. You tell, you know, you hear when you're growing up, see ball, hit ball. You know, you see an animal, put the arrow in the kill spot. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, but there's so much more. The, yeah. At the end of the day, I think the most important part is arrow placement. Yeah. I mean, you can get good penetration, good enough penetration with just about any broadhead, as long as it's not just a straight up dud. Uh, and if you're shooting a fast enough arrow, that you're going to get enough penetration to kill. Like the deer you shot last year, you got a clean pass through. Right. And you were shooting not a heavy arrow. You were shooting a rage, right? Yeah, I was shooting a rage. And it zipped through. Them. Yeah, at 49 yards. Right. And and another another thing, the reason, and I didn't explain this, but a reason that I don't want to go with an extremely heavy arrow, you know, a lot of these guys um, aren't shooting over 30 yards. Like yeah, that's, their comfort that's exactly zone. right. But when we're spotting and stalking on a strip or open terrain, and you have an opportunity to shoot. Like, I practice I practice out to 100 yards. Now, I'm not going to shoot 100 yards, but I practice out that far. I can't even shoot my I – I don't have enough clearance in my sight housing to shoot that far if I'm shooting a 650-grain arrow or 600-grain arrow. So I like to find, like, a happy medium where, yeah, I'm using a cut-on-contact broadhead. That One, it's got to fly good. Right. But also, I don't want that arrow to be dropping so much that if you're off two or three yards and where that deer's standing – or you're gonna miss. whatever it is. Yeah, you're going to hit low or you're going to hit high or yeah. because that arrow is dropping so much quicker with that really heavy setup. I would just like to know what the – and I know there's formulas out there on the – but, like, I I know that they – don't they say that the cut-on contacts um, and that heavier area, they're carrying more Momentum. pounds of kinetic energy. Right. And there's but, stuff with, like – But what happens if you're shooting – Say that you're shooting at 600, and it's just you. I'm just saying hypothetically. Yeah. You're shooting that 600 grain arrow and set up 650 grain, whatever it is, and you're shooting 255, 260 feet per second. And then I'm going to shoot a a 420 grain setup, and I'm shooting 320. I would go to bet that our kinetic energy our pounds of kinetic energy aren't off right i'd say i'm still getting more right yeah and I, you know and i and that's what and i don't know right. i'm not arguing one side or the other correct it's just confusing as hell sometimes yeah there, there is and a that's lot why i'm it. just going to shoot what i feel comfortable with and then i can hit well you've you've had success with that yeah. setup so that's right and it may not be, you know it may not be the best setup but you know no. it's worked for you yeah it's like i don't know that and i'm comfortable the best. right and I think that's half the battle when you get a new bow. Yeah. I'm sure I'll go shoot a PSE. I've never owned a PSE before. Right. I have a feeling of my biasness right now of what I'll end up with. But I'm not sure what it'll be because right. I'm going to do like you. I'm going to go shoot them all. Since we're, since we're not working with anybody, I'm going to shoot whatever I'm comfortable with to give me that mentality part of hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're out there and if you've got a bow in your hands and you're not co- completely comfortable with it, it's going to screw with you. Every time you pull back to shoot or every time you go out to hunt, you're like, 
Yeah, you got to be. Man, confident. I hope my gear's okay. Or yeah. man, I. You man, be when I pull this back, it's, you know, the valley ain't very tight. Right. You know what I mean? You feel comfortable with that PSA, and I think that's half of it when you go out there. Is, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever we get and that we're good with the gear we got, and you know what I mean? And it doesn't mess with you mentally. Right. So. Right. And there's another, another. you know, you got kinetic energy, which I, I was listening to Dr. Ashby speak the other day, and I think, I don't want to be quoting him wrong, but um, there ha there's more than just kinetic energy to it. They yeah. Like, what he was explaining is, like, that's what the, the industry is selling, use kinetic energy, but there's a lot more to it, with like momentum and stuff, and – as soon as I start talking about that, I get I, – I really don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to go deep into it. <laughs> but I do know he was saying um, that a single bevel broadhead uh, – because it, uh, I, a single bevel broadhead will penetrate a lot better than just about any other, like, uh, broadhead because of, I guess, how fast it's spinning. And it also is throwing um, – it just – it, it kind of drills into the bone. Uh so I, I'm gonna quit talking about it right there because if you can't tell, I really don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm 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 learning. I think it's interesting, and uh, I'm trying to find that happy medium, perfect setup for me. So, well, I mean, st sticking with archery, um, our season here in West Virginia doesn't come in until it's the last Saturday. The last Saturday of September. So, yeah. um, I'm still up in the air of what I'm doing for early archery season out of out of state because of recovery time for my knee but you got some plans yeah yeah so uh well i'm tr i'm trying to figure out um the the 28th i'm in a wedding which is the first day of bear season well we, we've all had those situations before you can always hunt in the morning well i'm in the <laughs> wedding it's a little bit different going to the wedding i'm kind of scared you know <laughs> because it's like that one time that you're like, I'm just going to do a quick hunt, you know, whatever. That's when I'll end up losing a dog or something and I have to stay I out think there we looking for I it. think we killed two bears or caught two bears today at Trace Boone's wedding. Yeah, well, <laughs> it doesn't always work out like that, <laughs> you know. So I, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to hunt that first day or not. Trust me, I want to. Well, I mean, weather, I mean, if the weather's terrible, I mean, it's a good reason not to. Right. You right. know what I mean? Because that's always a tough season. It is, yeah. That I don't. early season is just always – everybody thinks because all the bears are out, none of them have, have hold up, and they're just moving. They're still moving everywhere. Some nuts have dropped at that point. Some nuts haven't, so you can kind of pinpoint where they're eating, that it's easy. That is the most miserable season Yeah, the, the, uh, of it, all. And it's I mean, due to the weather. Yeah, and that's right. It's hot. Yeah. Uh, it's dangerous for the dogs that time of year. As far as weather goes, you got to worry about them overheating. So you definitely want them to be in shape for that season. And it's tough to get them in, like, really good in shape because of how hot it is leading up to it because it's August. Right. I mean, it comes in August 28th. So there's a lot of factors there. If I'm, if if there's going to be a wedding during a bear season, uh, that's when I w wish it was anyways because I don't really – it's not that big a deal if I do miss. Well, you'll probably – if you miss the first day, you're probably going to miss the second day. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then, well, yeah, it depends on how that night goes. That's what I'm saying. You, so, know, I you mean, know me at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, no, th during that that's early September, I've been going back and forth with going out to Nebraska. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when that time frame is or, or when it's going to be. I'd like to line it up uh, because we've got a lot of early bear seasons this year. Um, there's another bear season that comes in, like, I think the 11th of September. Right. So I could somehow fit that trip somewhere in that gap, maybe even delay it till after that, maybe delay it around the 20th of September. Um, it doesn't really – I'm not too worried about being there for opening day. I've already wrote off that I'm not going to be there for opening day. That ain't a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, so I'd like to start off somewhere in Nebraska. And they also have the uh, urban hunting. I can apply for it. Yeah. And that's that first week. I think it's the first Saturday in September, the same time Kentucky opens. Heck, I've got a Kentucky license from this past year, uh, from this past turkey season. So there's a lot of options there. Yeah, I mean, and and it always, if you'd find success here locally, yeah, you'd always bounce back out. Right. And I've got a, uh, the end of September, beginning of October, I've got a antelope tag for Wyoming. 
So. And that you all were going, that's a party hunt, right? Right. Didn't a buddy of your all's that hunts in the party have an elk tag? Yes. No, so, yeah. Yeah. So okay. we, there is a group of six of us going out there. And I think three of them applied for elk tags, but one of them actually got one. So we're supposed to have a lot of, either two or three of them, I can't remember. But anyways, it ended up one person got the tag. And uh, if you've watched our Kentucky elk series or you watched our antelope mule deer hunt in Wyoming last year, my buddy Mike Asher, um, that's who I'm going out there with and a bunch of his friends. Uh, so Cody, uh, our buddy Cody, drew the tag and uh, drew the elk tag. So we're going to focus there that first that first leg of the trip. It's a 10-day trip on filling his elk tag. And we're going to an area in Wyoming that Mike's familiar with that he's elk hunted before. So we have an advantage. He's he's elk hunted it multiple times, and he actually killed a, I don't know, over a 300-inch bull there. So the quality's there, and it takes at least, I think, like three points to draw it. So you're not going to run into, like, a ton of people or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start off there, and then we all got antelope tags. I think all of us except Cody. I don't, I don't know if he got one or not because he already had the elk tag. Right. So we're going to go and uh, antelope hunt after the uh, the elk hunt. So depending on how long that takes. And I think I think the elk season actually comes in a little bit before the antelope. So we're, actually, I know it does because um, we're actually not going to be there for the start of the elk. Mike was there last year at the start of the elk, and he had a tag, and just said it was way too early. But we're trying to time it right this year with the rut. Hopefully, the weather will be good, and uh, yeah, we'll go out there and maybe bring back an elk and a few antelope. And then October's kind of in the air because yeah. we, we've talked about it. This past season, we I know we've talked about it all winter, just me and Kirk short-talking each other, but in the past, we've always just laid right here in southern West Virginia and hunted, and hunted every day, even when it's not good days to hunt. We're hunting. Running trail cameras. Yeah, it's doing something here, and in reality, it's wasting a lot of time. Right. We get I, I for one, I, I get obsessed with, like, I'll find a big deer, and I'll scatter cameras all over him and then try to get him to show up in daylight, and I'll end up chasing, 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 chasing. Yeah. In reality, I think it would be better. My time would be spent. In Kentucky. In Kentucky or Ohio. Yeah. Or, or even going back out to Nebraska and hunting. Uh, or, you know, anything. There's just so many options. Um, going out there and just hunting public land and exploring and getting to learn new ground versus coming here and really trying to kill a deer of corn, you know. Yeah. Because and then And then – most of the time, we're killing deer here. What we found in the past, you know, three years that we've been doing this is we kill them in the month of November. November, no, yeah, in a, in no a, matter in what. A, in a three-week period. And that's really going to be the case just about anywhere. But we think, you know, why not go out there and explore other options and, and maybe have a spot and stock opportunity in, on a mule deer in Nebraska or, you know, go and, and scout an area, spend a week in Kentucky or Ohio and learn new ground or, or places you might come back to in November. So we're going to try to use our time more wisely. Yeah. But and and be more efficient. Right. Instead of just grinding here and getting obsessed over a, a single buck or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I did it last year. I mean, right. it doesn't help our cause for getting content. Yeah. That, you know, I wasted five weeks. And not it wouldn't have been it waste would, if you killed it. If I'd have killed it, it wouldn't have been wasted. But when you sit, it, there's not much content when you're in a saddle and you hunt nine days and don't see but two does and a bear. Right. There, you know, people don't really want to see that. Right. So if if you don't kill nothing, then you can't really use that content. Right. There's no real story to it. So. Yeah, but like if I'd have killed it, then we go back through all that content and grab things and show people the grind. Right. Uh, but it's kind of a waste of our time. So. Kirk and I have talked about um, trying to hunt more efficiently and hunt more areas to gather more um, good content. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, learn new areas so that we can hunt them in the future. I would rather do that than grind here on areas that I know there's deer and I know the train already. Right. All right. And something, a lot of times, just in that early season, it's a struggle here. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to walk where we walk when it's 99 degrees yeah i mean it's it's tough i'm not saying it's not tough anywhere else um 
just it's tough hunting southern west virginia early season yeah for sure for um, sure well uh on the uh i guess continue I, i've been wanting to tell this story uh but to change top oh, no i was going to change topics i don't know what story you're going to tell i was going to tell them the two-legged bear story oh well that, that that's good because i was going to change over two dogs okay real quick and w- would you like to start yeah i'm going to Oh, okay then. Yeah, let me let me go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> you don't need my permission. <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch on dogs, and then I'm gonna let Kirk take it over because, um, everybody will see in my pack that I got rid of a lot of dogs this year. I want to just hunt, stick with a bloodline that we've been hunting with, and then hunt more efficiently and and focus just on a few a few of my pups and a couple of my younger dogs. And so I got rid of a lot of my other ones. and But I've not been able to run a whole lot because of my injury, turkey season, and my knee injury. But been uh, still been training with them, fooling with them. Um, but Kirk, um, I know everybody, there's some people might not be on social media, but Kirk has like had a just a streak of bad luck with uh, – it actually just started – with bliss you know streak of bad luck with health and his his bad luck with health and hounds and it it's no no it, it's not indicative of how kirk handles or treats his dogs because i can assure you that his dogs are treated like children <laughs> uh like real children and like after turkey season you start running like it hits you like a, a wrecking ball yeah. Like Miley Cyrus coming through <laughs> with, uh, you know, the the what's the dog with that having the sugar problems? Blade. Blade, yeah. which was coming on strong. Yep. Uh, and then we'll I want you to hit on Blade. Hit on Leo. Yep. Um. And then you can talk about your your yellow jackets and. The, oh yeah, the two-legged bear and and all that. That that's good talking. Yeah. But the streak of Kirk Kirk's streak of vet bills and bad luck on the hound side continues into 2021. Yeah. So I guess I'll start off and try to keep me in order. There, you hit a lot of good po- talking points that yeah. I just skip over. Right. But to start off with what Josh is talking about with Bliss, she was my first uh, bear dog. And she has just been incredible for me. I mean, I couldn't ask for anything possibly more in my first hound. Um, but it started off with her. Uh, actually, heck, it started off before the lung injuries. When she was a puppy, she broke her leg. <laughs> that kicked off my, my first bear dog. She, she broke was her what? Leg. 15 I, weeks old, yeah, 16 weeks? Maybe I mean, even less. We, I mean, they were small. Yeah, they were, yeah cause, I mean, she could hardly jump out of the truck. Yeah. And she j- jumped out of the truck. And anyways, long story short, snapped her legs. She's got rods and pins. I'm talking snapped it, clean break. So that started off my first <laughs> my first bear dog. And then uh, uh, really that that I felt so bad for her. And I mean, I must felt bad for myself because I was so excited about it that I I pushed her really hard to be to bring out the best possible dog, r- regardless of her situation you know, that she could be, and she really got me hooked, I mean, I kind of, I had a lot of injuries as a kid, heck, I broke my wrist four times, uh, broke my leg once, so I almost kind of felt like I connected with her uh, when she first started off, you know, barely can jump out of the truck, and she snaps your leg, so, uh, you know, two years, over a year goes by, and she's a full-grown dog hunting her, and she ends up getting a lung infection, uh, where they think she inhaled something um, when we were in New Mexico mountain lion hunting. And anyways, it caused a, a bacterial infection, and I took her to the vet, and he said, you know, she, she, <laughs> he, I, I just, she was, she had shortness of breath, and so I took her to the vet, and he said that, you know, we're going to get her on this antibiotic, but I'm going to be honest with you, she's not in good shape. And uh, if she doesn't show improvement, it was like a Friday. If she doesn't show improvement by Monday, you need to consider putting her down. And that just absolutely, like, rocked my world. Like, I could not believe 
I, w- I mean, it just – she was perfectly healthy, then all of a sudden, bam, and, and talking about putting her down. So I took her home, and she was struggling to breathe even that day. So we had to figure out what we needed to do. So I took her to the emergency vet uh, that night, and the emergency vet uh, pulled a bunch of fluid off her lungs and then said, we got – you got to uh, – you gotta. There's no one in the state of West Virginia that can perform the surgery she needs. So you need to go to MedVet Columbus, which is like this like unbelievable animal hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so You're like a human going to the Mayo Clinic yeah. or to John Hopkins. Yeah, and I don't know Cleveland. I don't know my wife. She's a nurse, uh, but I don't know a whole lot about medical stuff at all. Never interested in me. I hardly go to the doctor. I only go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to. So what was funny is when I brought her in there. Uh, they were asking me all this stuff. And I, I guess I told them something wrong because they ended up taking us in a room immediately and we should have been waiting. Uh, and they came in the room with hazmat suits on. <laughs> so I told them something completely wrong. Anyways, uh, they thought it was, infe- I don't know, they thought it was contagious. So long story short, they treat her. She bounces back. How does to keep her on some medication? She bounces back. Within this past year, um, I had a dog go down, which what I thought was heat stroke this summer, uh, early in the summer. I thought it was heat stroke at first, but it didn't really make sense because the dog was in shape, um, definitely not overweight at all, and none of the other dogs were showing any signs. It wasn't even that hot. It was in the 60s that morning. It um, wasn't very humid, and a humidity a lot of times is what causes your issues, but he, he was acting really funny, so I put him in the box, and I just knew, knew he was a little lethargic. I didn't know he was... There was something wrong with him at that point. So I take him, and uh, well, we're collecting up dogs. Later that day, I let him out about an hour later just to use the bathroom or whatever while I'm waiting on my buddy, and uh, he hits the ground. He jumps out of the truck and falls, and then stands up, diarrhea is everywhere. Well, I knew something was bad wrong with him. Like, he, he couldn't move. So I grab him, put him in the cab of my truck, load the rest of the dogs up, and it was a Sunday. Head straight to the emergency vet. They get him lined out or whatever. Luckily, did you go to the emergency vet or did you go to our vet? No, I had to go to the emergency vet. Oh, okay. It was Sunday. Okay. Couldn't, they couldn't, uh, really, I, they didn't give me a good answer. I didn't know what caused it. They just kind of wrote it off as a heat stroke. Um, didn't know, you know, didn't know what caused it or whatever. So a few weeks later, um, he's back healthy. He's normal. Uh, I'd even ran him with the truck some, just trying to get him kicked back up, trying to get him back in shape before I took him out and full on hunted him. So take him out one evening and uh i cut them all loose rigged a bear cut them loose and cut the whole whole box loose and i uh it runs them it it runs them this bear runs and runs and runs and i ended up having to to leave because they're they're crossing over this main ridge and i having to leave and go around where i couldn't track them for 30 minutes probably uh, in order to get into the holler they're going in, I had to, you know, drive way around. It, you know, it went in the p- worst possible area for them to go. So I, I go over there and hook back up with them, track them, get a location on where my dogs are. And they're going back into the area I originally was. You know, that's bear hunting. And when you're by yourself, unfortunately, you get put in situations like that. Uh, so I go, I drive all the way back around. So that's another 30 minutes. Roughly an hour goes by where I don't have tracks on any of the dogs. Well, I pick up all my dogs. Um, and before that, I had lost communication on one of my dog's collars, Leo. And I knew his collar had stopped working But already. we're still talking about Blade's problems, right? Yes, this gets into yeah, Blade's problems. Yeah, that's right. I don't so, want to confuse them right. with, with dog names and parts of the story. Yeah. You're going to get to the Leo. Yeah, so I, I'd lost Leo out. Well, anyways, Blade's coming off the mountain, completely off a of track. I thought maybe he was running a different bear or something. He just turns and leaves the track, and then I ended up picking him up first. You know, he was kind of, he was just tired. Nothing, I didn't think he was having the same issues again. So I put him in the truck. Well, Bliss and one of my pups pull up tree, and then Ranger had fallen off. So I ended up, because I got, once I, I got underneath Bliss, she's pulled up tree, barking 20 barks per minute, whether they had it on the ground or they had it in a tree, I don't know. Um, but this is like three hours later. I've been going through this whole process. And Blade is in the truck. When I get him out, just to make sure he's all right, he does the same thing. Jumps out of the truck, falls, diarrhea. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's overheated again. So I ended up, load him up. I get Bliss and uh, 
uh, baby, my pup, off the mountain. Didn't even go into where they were. Just toned them out of there and blew the horn and got them off there because I was trying to get him. Ranger was way up on the mountain, and I had lost Leo's collar out. Well, Blade is laying there lifeless. His sugar is dropping. I mean, he his, it, and I had to had to do something. So I, I text our local vet because it's during the week, and he was nice enough to drop. So I didn't have to go to the emergency clinic and pay a thousand dollars. He was nice enough to to meet me at uh, the vet, the you know his office. So we get Blade in there, and his sugar was like seventeen, and it should be at least at like. Safe. I mean, it should be at least like seventeen. I mean, seventy to one twenty, and okay. it was seventeen. So we work on him. You know, I'm helping him do whatever. We ended up getting getting his sugar back up, and he keeps him overnight. Well, at that point, one of my buddies that actually worked in the area had picked up Ranger. So I had to make the decision to leave Ranger and Leo. I couldn't track Leo's collar, but I assumed he was with Ranger because he wasn't with Bliss and Baby. And I wasn't hunting Tron. I had a collar go bad, and I left him at the house that day. Uh, so I know this is just so it's complicated, but uh, I'm doing my best. No, you're just, there's a lot of factors. Yeah. There's, it's not confusing. We're still talking about blade and his sugar problems, right? This is two different hunts. Kirk thought that they had it figured out after the first hunt. Yeah. He took a two or three week break. Now he's back in the woods, but on this hunt that Kirk's talking about, a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff's happening. Bad. And, and I'm the only person and there. he's hunting by himself. Um, his dogs are split. I had to leave two of them. He left two of them. One got picked up by a buddy on the on the surface job. Right, and I'm going to stop you there because that's where I'm at. Okay. So he picks him up, picks him up, and I was like, well, Leo should be close by because I'm assuming he's with him. When I lost Leo's collar out, they were together. So uh, I go back. I get out of the vet's office like, I don't know, after midnight. And I said, I'm going to, I knew he got range. I was like, Leo will show up. I'm going to go back first thing in the morning and drive over there and get him. Cause it's like an hour and a half drive by the time I get all the way to right. where he was. So first thing daylight, head straight over there. He said, Hey, I've got ranger. Leo never showed up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get, let's see if I can pick him up somewhere. So I drive around and I had communication on him for a minute. Um, but never, I ended up, I was walking into the last place I had him to make sure there's no holes there. No holes in the ground. Um, I pick up communication on him for a little bit. And then as I'm standing still, I've got it. And then I lose it out. And there's communication on a collar that allows you to shock, tone, or, uh, yeah, just shock and tone. And there's the GPS, which actually allows you to track them. Why the GPS wire, I'm assuming split, or it wasn't working. So I thought, okay, I just lost him out right there. And I'm standing still. He's moving around somewhere. Like, he's somewhere. And I thought maybe when I lost him out, he had went over the ridge from me or something. So I drive around the other side. Long story short, never pick him up anywhere. I search the area. I, dr- I walk down there to where I lost him out four different times. Walked the track, came back and forth. And this is in the worst holler I, I think I've ever been in my life. You can't go five yards without there being a down tree. Like, it was logged a few years ago. Yeah. And there's just trees from storms that have fallen in there. It is nasty. Anyways, I don't find the dog. So a few days go by, you know, I make Facebook posts. Everybody in the area knows about it. I drive around, hang signs all over the place. In the area I lost him, in any potential area he could be. Uh, and, you know, nothing ever came of it. Just so our listeners that are listening to Kirk's story about his bad luck run, it is not, I repeat, it's not uncommon practice to leave your hounds overnight if they're in a bad area dogs have a inept inside their brain that they always find a way out they always come down the mountain and come to the creek and come to a bigger creek and hit a road and come out the road right i mean it's uh, and there's in in this area there's houses yeah, all the way so, around it you know it's it kirk did not do or make a a unethical decision by leaving his dog up there for four or five hours just so everybody knows that i mean i've left dogs any houndsman that has hunted bears or cats even i'm sure have got into a situation where they've had to leave their dogs overnight right and I, the reason i left was because i had to get you the had dog, a dog to the vet. you had another dog at the hospital it was going to die if yeah. i didn't get him to the vet so blades at the vet you figure out that it's his sugar yeah 
and he is doing good now. Well, we've got him on. Uh, we we got him on steroids, and he's he. Also, and how long has he been on steroids now? Because uh, that night was months. probably eight weeks ago. Yeah, at least two months. Um, so is he running with you now? No. Uh, so we got him on steroids, and that night he also had like extreme bruising, like all over his body, like they need like stuff I've never seen before. Purple bruising on his stomach, his legs, on his head, everywhere. If you like pulled his hair back, you could right. see bruising all over him. So there was a lot going on there, and we still haven't figured out what's caused it. Um, there, it might be something called Addison's disease, which apparently is treatable with steroids. But we got him on steroids and got all his blood levels back to where he should be. So we slowly started weaning him off of it here in the last few weeks. We weaned him off of it, and now his levels started dropping again. So we've got him back on the steroids, and you can't test him apparently for that Addison's disease, which is – According, you know, my vet, very it's very rare anyway. So there's a good chance it's not that. But we're trying to figure out what's causing it uh, because his sugar level when I start hunting him is dropping. Like we thought it was heat exhaustion. Right. It's really not. He said like some of the stuff that's going on with the bruising, the low sugar and stuff like doesn't correlate with heat exhaust. There's too much. There's too many different things going on. So, so so he's he's back at the house. You're treating him. Oh yeah yeah. I mean and, he, you would you would have no idea. But you can't hunt him right but now. But I'm just scared to hunt him. Like, I don't want the same thing to happen. Right. Again. And so he, because it he, might be the last time. I mean, right. just like a human, you your sugar drops too low. You have a chance yeah. of dying. Right. And he has been completely, like, the two times it's happened, he's went lifeless. Yeah. I'm talking his eyes are open. But it's, it's I mean, it, it's you're just carrying around a limp body. Right. Like, and you didn't tell any, you didn't tell the listeners it was the first night that that happened. That Bucky had actually picked up Tron, and Tron did the same thing at Bucky's house, right? Right. He was having issues. Not, he, he but he he was having bowel issues. It came, to, came right. It came about that he was having bowel issues, but at the time, yeah, he did the same thing. So it had you thinking. Yeah. Well, at first I thought it was dog food. Right. I was switching dog foods. I mean, yeah. I, like I didn't know, didn't know what caused it. And it was very. By that point, it had got hot that day. Yeah. So I was kind of worried about that, but I haven't had a single issue out of any of my other dogs right. since then. And they're they're in great shape and you know rolling, but and and Blade's getting treated. And Blade is still on the steroids. Uh, we put him back on him, and now we're just we're just waiting the waters, trying to figure out what's causing it. Hopefully, can get him uh, lined out and back to hunting. But I'm in no rush. Like the last thing I want to do is rush into it. Yeah, so I'm just we're just taking our time with it. Even uh, even you know the vet told me that we could. I could actually start running him if I wanted to and just slowly start working him back into it. That was before his his uh his numbers, his dropped, numbers again. dropped again. And when I say numbers, I mean you know, I I can't remember what it's called, but it's just a blood test they're doing. You got all kinds of different Well, I'm sure that he got a baseline that yeah. he was healthy and right. and now he's right continuously yeah. taking blood and samples and, yeah. and doing I was going in every single week yeah. for you know, blood analysis. They're they're seeing what's going on. Like I've been to the vet Every single week for the last two months. I don't even make appointments. I got to show up. Yeah. They know. <laughs> they know. Well, I'm I mean, there. Mark has been very good to us. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. And then, then you know, Leo, unfortunately, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Blade's recovering. He's at the house. Leo, unfortunately, at, at, at to this point, has not been found. No. No. It, it really uh, – you get, I mean, you get close with your dogs. There's no way really not to. You care about them. So when it first happened, it literally, I don't know, it had me up at night. I would wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning and just start thinking about it and think, like, did I not check this area? Did I, you know, I, I have played out the, I've played it out so many times in my head that it almost, it makes me sick just to, and, heck, I wasn't even going to talk about it today until you brought it up. But yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I do need to discuss it. But I've received, like, so many really, you know, nice messages, encouraging, and people trying to help. But it almost starts to wear on you because everywhere I go, you know, people are asking, did you ever find did that find dog? It? Did you find your dog? I mean, and it's not I – don't, I don't mind that people ask that because they're asking it being polite. You know, right. they're hoping I'll find it. Well, I don't think anybody – could have gave more of a concerted effort than you yeah. on giving the chance to find him. Right. 
posting flyers. I mean, it was every day for yeah. three weeks yeah. that you were driving over here yeah. and going on the mountain. Miserable. I mean, I was I was driving myself crazy. Yeah. I've cut trails out that no one has been out in months with chainsaws. Yeah. I've taken I've took I took my dogs in there like, a couple nights after it happened and took a bear hide that I had in the freezer that I need to get it tanned or do something with. I took this huge bear hide, head and all, and hung it in a tree. Just to get them tree and had that them tree on it, hoping that he'd come into the area. Yeah. You know, I laid a shirt down. I tried all those things that everyone says to do. And, uh, it'll, I mean, it'll, at this point, I'm going to assume that I, I'll never get him back. Right. You know, um, which sucks to say, but I've tried everything, you know, within, with everything that I know or can think of, I can do. You know, there is the possibility that someone picked him up. And I, my opinion is I don't really – if someone really picked him up and kept him, they did one heck of a job staying quiet about it because there are so many people that know about it. Um, I don't I, I don't know. I think maybe he got bit by a snake and laid down sick, and it could have been a rattlesnake. I mean, heck, I've seen so many rattlesnakes this year and some of my, you know, the guys we hunt with. Could have been a snake bite. Um I really don't. I don't think he fell in a hole. I mean, the chances of that, like I lost his collar out, and then he proceeded to run. Who knows how far, and then falls in a hole. Like, for one, that rarely happens. It does happen, but it's pretty rare. And when they do fall in a hole, you can you lose them in and out, in and out. Or when you get close to them, you'll pick up communication on them. And I never, you know, I didn't have communication. So yeah. there's just some things that don't add up. As far as if, and I know he didn't fall in a hole right there where I lost him out because uh, I was all over it. I mean, all over it. Walked it a million times. So it is the, uh, you know, and, and when you're talking in the hound community, and um, and I'm sure it's the thing with upland bird. Any anybody that you know, dog dogs man's best friend. I mean, that's one of the downfalls of being a hunter that utilizes dogs is that you get close to them you do lose them yeah um, i mean you they're you just got, like humans i mean if you got beagles you, you could yeah you'd get one shot i mean old age is going to get them there's going to be freak accidents that get them just like they do humans yeah it just sucks when you're on that end of it yeah. uh and you never know and when i cut them loose that day i actually have a video of it that i, I never posted and i and i won't but it's like I turn them loose, and they all take off together, and that was, you know, that was the last time I'll ever see them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough thing, um, and uh, he was a great one. I don't know, I, I'm, I know you remember because you're his owner, but we cut loose up at Samples, mm -hmm. and we power dumped 35 hounds, I bet, and we could hear them all coming out of the holler. And I'm telling you, when we cut them loose, we didn't cut them loose between 20 to 30 seconds apart. So nobody had a head start or anything like that. And Leo was leading. When they came through, he was in in front of Bliss. Yeah. Hammering on that bear. So he'll be he'll be missed. He was a good hound. Unfortunately, that, that, that's part of it. That's one of the, the shitty sides, like I said, of uh, – of owning dogs and utilizing for hunting, even you know, even having dogs as pets, uh, that's one of the, the shitty parts of it. But uh, didn't want to hit on Kirk's bad luck, you know, and, and make Kirk feel bad and think about it. But you know, wanted you all to know what he's been through this spring. You know, it's kind of not like a bad luck episode because my injury, Kirk's <laughs> dog problems and and losses, but. Uh, the last eight to ten weeks is uh, we've then been through some trials and tribulations with the uh, health of ourselves and our dogs. Yeah, um, no doubt. But good fall coming on. Um, everybody's on the mend, um, and we're really looking forward to it. Yep. Well, Josh has got me <laughs> choked all to hell. All emotional now. <laughs> I don't mean to, Bobby. <laughs> but, <clears throat> well, uh, 
to switch gears, I guess. I guess I can tell a, a cool story. Uh, Let's tell a funny story. The two-legged then, bear. Yeah. So, uh, I was hunting the other day about a little over a week ago, week and a half. And uh, today, actually, I made a Facebook post and Instagram post because initially I wasn't going to post anything. And then I showed a few people. Um, but before I get into all that, I just need to explain what happened. Uh, we were running just like we would any other weekend. We were, uh, it was a Saturday, I believe. And I was rigging my dogs. Um, if you all don't know what rigging is, uh, if you watch our videos, this is when we got the dogs up on top of the box. And uh, we're just being lazy and driving around. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. No, uh, but they they get a scent of a bear, whether the bear's crossed the road or he's on one side of the road or the other, and uh, they blow up. I mean, they just start barking. So my dogs blow up. The whole box is shaking, and I can just tell by the intensity of it that the bear is somewhere close by. So uh, it was a hot track. So we cut. Uh, I cut Bliss and Baby, which is one of the uh, pups I'm raising this summer. Um, I, I always, I like when they're young like that to, to cut, uh, my young dogs first. Um, even though they can sometimes mess things up, let them learn to use their nose and not just run a hot track, let them figure out, you know, how to start a track. So I, I cut Bliss and Baby loose and then they immediately open or getting out of there. So I, I dumped the whole box because there was actually, we had five trucks total with us that day. So we had a lot of help. Normally, if I'm hunting by myself or there's just one other truck there, I might hold a couple of dogs in case that bear crosses. Uh, we can just put a little heat on him. But they go down, and I, I dump the whole box, like I said, and they go and pull two or two or 300 yards up the other side of the hill and pull up tree. Like I'm looking at my Garmin. Well, I get out of the truck and listen, and, uh, yeah, they sound – they've caught it. They're right there. I mean, loud. It's roaring. So I go down and get underneath of them, and I got about 120 yards underneath of them. And then uh, <laughs> our buddy Ryan Farley, he had brought a couple guys um, that I never hunted with that day with us. And uh, they're there. They they pull down, and, I, and, they, and they said, they got it. And I said, man, I said, it could be a huge bear because this thing, I'm telling you, it didn't run. It was a 45-second minute yeah. race, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. I've, you know, I've had that happen one other time. And so they turned some dogs loose uh, up through there. So there's a bunch of dogs. and. I, I'm the first one up there. I get up there and immediately see what's going on. And it is, it's something I, it, I didn't know what to think. I had seen trail cam photos of this bear over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, we've well, got several buddies that have pictures of it. Yeah, him. I'm thinking over three years is yeah, about the earliest. That's about right. So, but I, the, the bear three years ago was a grown bear at that point. Um, so, anyways, it's this bear standing up on two legs, literally running from the dogs on two feet. Now, when he'd stop, he'd hunch over, but when he runs, he's upright. I mean, completely upright. And uh, he's holding his own. Like, I was always scared. This bear had never been in the area where he was. He's so, always across the road, across the hollow. Yeah, across the road, um, which now thinking about it, that's nothing. Obviously, a bear will cross the road, a deer will cross the road, but he's never ventured to this side of the road where we hunt, where we have access to it. So, uh, yeah, I thought I was always scared that if they caught him, you know, they might get him on the ground and stretch him or, you know, really cause an issue for the bear, uh, which is not what we want. So, no, lo and behold, like there's a reason this bear, I'm going to say he's four to five years old, maybe older. The reason he survived this long, it's because one, he's healthy and he can move on two legs. Well, I'm sure that he has had to fight off other nature. males. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a male. Yeah. I didn't include that. I made a Facebook post and Instagram post today about him. He's a male. So he's a boar bear. So he so he's had to deal with that. Yeah. And I'm sure that he has become prey when he was younger to coyotes. Yeah. Being so I'm sure he's fought that off. Um uh, and you said he held his own. Yes. I'm telling you right now. Ask Tron, he's got a couple holes in his butt. Yeah. Um now, can you imagine going up that hollow, the main road, at 1030 at night, and then all of a sudden, a big squatch walks here comes here. this squatch just walking across the road to the center line, and you're yeah. just sitting there. Walking. It would trip somebody out that, you know, well, I mean, I think it'd trip out bear hunters. 
Oh, for sure. Uh, it tripped me out watching him run around. You know, on some of the comments that, yeah. that you've already got from some guys out west. And yeah. Now, I mean, the post haven't like, been up long at all, and people were absolutely like, freaking dude, out. Dude, that's crazy. It. Yeah. And, and and think about it. It's like I've seen albino deer. You know, I've seen some pretty rare animals. But it's like how many people have seen a two-legged bear that runs on And we never thought that we'd ever run him because he was in in a totally different area of what we run him. Yeah. So we're never worried about it. We always just said those are pretty cool picks. Yeah, I thought the bear was awesome. How has he survived? Right. And I was, like I've heard people say, like, man, what if you get after that bear one day? I'm like, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, can you imagine, like, if that bear crossed the road and everybody was down there waiting for a bear to cross, and then all of a sudden out of the woods here comes this bear running on his back two legs and he's six and a half foot, seven foot tall, you know. Maybe he, whatever he is, but he just comes running across like a human. Yeah, and I'm telling you, he's healthy. People, you know, I'd already seen. I hadn't hardly looked at my phone since I made the post. But people, I saw one guy say, like, I, you know, you should consider killing him or whatever. But I'm telling you, he's not He's not malnourished. He's skinny for a bear. He looks skinny in some of those photos. But he has to be. He's running around on two legs. Like, there's no way he can put a bunch of fat on. Uh, his coat looks good. He he's a, I mean he's a survivor like that bear is not struggling I'm telling you, uh, and I think uh, I mean I I said it in my Facebook post and my Instagram uh, you can get on there and check it out and I'll also make a post uh, on the Untamed's Instagram so my Instagram is Kirk Price K I R K P R I C E underscore and then of course we got the Untamed Instagram it's just the Untamed uh, so you can get on there and check out the photos I'll make sure to share it on both of them but. I think it's just absolutely incredible. When I said in my post, I do not, I, you know, it is a legal bear. And he is, you, you can kill that bear just like you could any bear. And there, there technically isn't, by, by the law, by the rule books, there's nothing wrong with it. But I personally would never kill that bear because I think he is, like, he has survived this long on two legs. The bear is badass. And I think, I mean, he's just, it's just something, it was something special to see. To see one, like he was holding his own, and I did. I pulled the dogs back quick. As soon as I, you know, I, like I said, I made, I got about a few, a few seconds of video there of him running around, just so people would believe me. And he was fine. And then I pulled the dogs back, and we let him off the hill, which was, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. But you know, I had other hands there after right. they got up there to me. We got him back off of him, and the bear just walked up the hill on his way. He'll probably go back across the road now, though. <laughs> and that'd probably be the safest place for him. Right. Um, but that was wild when you said, when you told us that you had caught, you know, we don't, we hadn't named that bear or anything, but we all knew uh, that he was in those square miles of, of area that we run, but not in the actual area. Right. The, all the pictures of him were pretty good stretch from us. Yeah. So. And he's got a, a good size head on him, too. It's something I noticed. He doesn't have a real small head, which also. And I know, I know he's a boar, so that tells you he he does have some age on him. So it's like, why, you know, I saw people that comment, like, you need to contact the DNR and let him know of his location or whatever. And I'm like, no, like, he is fine. He's going to make it. Yeah. Right? He might get shot one day by a hunter. That ain't, That's out of my control. Or Mother Nature might come down on him. But as far as him, like, he's not crawling around on his belly struggling, needs to be put out of his misery, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah, I just thought I would share that story. Oh no, that's that's a, that's a good one. I mean, like I said, go check his post out on uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, and you'll you'll check that guy out. Uh, it, it's something to see. And we'll see if we can't find some other pictures. Uh, yeah, be- from our buddies in the archives, we'll text them and see if they had any of them from a from another property that that we we don't hunt on, but they've got pictures of them. They've sent it to us. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool looking cool looking bear, but you know probably only one of them around here yeah they're definitely <laughs> so there's not there was actually a guy that messaged me I, I saw earlier that said this might be the bear and i clicked on his location unless he's coming down in this area to hunt he's not from here so might be another one running around west virginia i don't know yeah that's crazy yeah but it's super rare and just an awesome experience like i was i was very lucky to, to get to to see him uh, because I can't imagine they're like sitting in a tree stand and watching that dude stroll by. Oh yeah, I mean you'd be double taken. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, you'd definitely be double taken. But well, we're over an hour now, Josh, and I know you need to get on the road here soon. 
Yeah, I've got a birthday dinner for the, my wife Stacy today. She, oh, I think she turns uh, twenty nine. You're welcome, Stacy. Twenty nine. Yep, she's doing fine. Well, happy birthday to Stacy. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're looking forward. We're going to uh, after we've got over our bad luck and getting getting on the men, we'll uh, we'll start kicking out some podcasts, letting everybody know where we're at. Yep. And um, Kirk's still kicking out bear videos. Yep, we got a few more left. Oh, and I'm going to Florida in a few days. Oh, yeah. To film. I'm going to try to get this podcast uploaded today because it would be pretty easy. We had one little technical error in there. Sorry about that. We had a mic go bad on us or something. But uh, we got it lined down. So I'm going to try to get this uploaded today. I'm actually uploading. I've got a bear video edited that as soon as I get home, um, I'm going to uh, post too. So st a few more December bear videos, and I might mix in. I'm going to Florida in two days um to uh film a hog hunt down there and so. he's taking one of our new interns if not both of them yeah and you all will, sure you go. all will meet them just as soon as they uh as soon as they come to west virginia we'll do a video probably a video podcast and introduce them yeah to everybody so we're excited for this fall thank you all for listening don't forget um, we talked about the 20% you can save on HuntWise. You can also save 20% on any Vortex apparel um, at Vortex Wear. So get on Vortex website. they got a whole apparel section. When you go to checkout, punch in the, uh, the coupon code uh, UNTAMED20, and you'll save 20% on there as well. Uh, we don't get a kickback from that, but that's just 20% for you all to save. And, and they've got really cool stuff. Dude, they got some sweet I mean, shirts. They, and stuff. They, I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, I mean, their stuff is legitimate. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty i mean it's good stuff yeah so appreciate y'all listening and uh yeah another untamed podcast all right guys